Good evening. So Mark chapter 4, it's on the screens and it's in your Bibles on 1005. So Mark chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand, For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said... This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. 
Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Thanks, wifey. Um, my name's Stephen, that's my wife. Uh, I'm the youth minister of Fountain Church. It's great to have you with us um, this evening as we go through Mark's Gospel. And um, you may have noticed, but I have quite big ears. Um, and it caused a lot of like, banter and uh, jokes and being ripped into being younger. Um, my brother had, had the best things to say about my, my ears, um, especially after a haircut. So like, after a haircut, his favorite thing to say to me was, um, F.A. Cup. Right? <laughs> and he used to come up to me and grab my face like the FA Cup and like hold it out, pull the ears, and go, Why? I've won the cup. <laughs> oh, what, what a brother. What a legend. Another of his favorites? Noddy big ears. You know, there he is, like <laughs> those ears looking prominent and big. Hey, today, today, if you've ever been ripped into the size of your ears, it's a time to shine. Because Jesus in Mark 4 is saying, Big ears is a good thing. Yes, come on. Big ears, listening well, that, that, that's a good thing from Jesus. Um, so we're jumping into to Mark 4. And, and you may have noticed, but it, it kind of stands as a bit of a, a weird chapter in Mark's gospel. If you've been with us so far, like Mark is quite action packed, he's fast paced, stuff happens immediately, there's lots of things going on. But Mark 4 is one of two chapters where Jesus teaches. And the whole thing is like him teaching and teaching and teaching, 4 and 13, there are two chapters in Mark's gospel. And that's kind of weird. But I think we're meant to like slow down and take our time to, to scan through it. And, and here's the thing. I think one of the big themes of Mark 4 is about listening right, hearing Jesus. It's like he's asking the question over and over again. Hey, hey, how are you listening to me? How are you listening to my words? I mean, it's there in verse 3, isn't it? Have a look at verse 3. Jesus starts his, his, his speech by saying, listen. Then down in verse 9, whoever has ears to hear, big ears, let them hear. Verse 23, that same expression. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. And then the parable of the sower. Here's the word, here's the word. It's all about hearing and listening. How are you listening to Jesus? And part of it, Makes sense, right? Because where is he? Verse 1 tells us that he's on a boat teaching to a massive crowd on the lake. So there's noise, there's hubbub. And this lake, by the way, gets pretty stormy in the chapter. So it's like, it's outdoor preaching. So he's kind of saying, hey guys, listen. Philip, turn the mic up a little bit. You know, that kind of thing. Like, listen up, guys. Pay attention. But I think it's more than that. I think he's asking, like, guys, how are you listening down here? In your heart. Yes, with your ears, but, but, but down here. But if that's right, verse 2 kind of feels a bit weird, doesn't it? Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. Like, parables almost sound like kind of biblical riddles. You have to like, have PhDs to solve and work out the meaning of, right? So you're like, hey, Jesus, if this is about listening and listening clearly to you, why are you teaching in parables? In fact, verse 10, that's what the disciples ask him after this little teaching. Verse 10, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parables. They're like, Jesus, what is the deal with these parables? And it's quite important, actually, because 35% of Jesus' teaching is parabolic. 
parables in nature, right? So it's good for us to know what they are and how to understand them. Here's a little, little parable guide. They're kind of short stories using picture language from around Jesus at the time. They usually have kind of one big point about the king and his kingdom. And they're meant to be like beef jerky or biltong, if you will. Yeah, beef jerky fans out there, love it. Um, but you, you can kind of chew on it. And you're chewing it, and you're chewing it for ages, getting all that beefy teriyaki goodness out of it. It's like, love it. But you chew, you chew, you chew. That's parables. Because Jesus is teaching, right? Back then, it's not written down for people to like scour over and get the pens out and read again, and they, get, they hear it once. So it's picture language to grab their imagination. So when they see those things in real life, they're like, oh, yeah, Jesus said that. You think about them, you chew on them. But still... Why parables? Well, verse 11, Jesus answers his disciples, doesn't he? He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus is saying that kind of his teaching causes a dividing line between humanity. There's the insiders and the outsiders. Insiders who, who respond by faith to his word and the outsiders who don't. And to the insiders, parables make everything clearer. Outsiders, it fuzzes it all up. It's a bit like um, um, glasses. Um, I've actually got some here to wear. Yes, here we go. Lovely. Uh, now, my dad has some really proper thick-rimmed glasses. Like, 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 he, he has bad vision. He can't see much. So he has some proper hefty things. And, and like, without his glasses, dad was stumbling around, fumbling over. He, uh, the world was blurry. He couldn't see much. But with his glasses, suddenly the world was clear and beautiful, amazing. And as kids, we used to love putting on dad's glasses. Oh, so much fun. It is, it really is. We had a lovely childhood. But yeah, put on dad's glasses and we're there kind of. When you can see and you put on glasses of someone who's got some really hefty prescription thing, the world goes blurry, doesn't it? You're like walking around like, oh, the whole world looks different. And then you start getting the headache, you know, and it goes, oh, this is painful now. And see, I think that's a little bit like parables. They're like glasses. To those people who, who, who think they can see and understand the world, like the religious guys we've met in Mark's gospel so far. Jesus speaks in parables, and it makes their world really confusing. It, it makes their heads start to hurt. They're like, wait, what are you saying? But, but to those who listen, who, who are responding to Jesus, who are hearing it, and, and who, are, who know they desperately need him, who kind of, are like, I'm blind without you, Jesus. Suddenly the parables are like those glasses coming on. The whole world becomes clear and into sharp focus. That's kind of the effect they have. It's like, like a little test, a listening test to see how are you listening to Jesus? Are you an insider or an outsider? And I think that kind of makes sense of this first parable in, in Mark 4, why it's such a big deal. I mean, verse 13, Jesus doesn't sound that kind to disciples, does he, at that moment? He's like, guys, don't you understand this parable? How then are you going to understand any parable? He's like, this one, this one lays the foundation. This is the key. This is the, the, the baseline. This is what you need to know. A bit like in Sudoku, um, this is like the first number you get. Oh, 
when you get that first number, everything else fits into place. You know, the eights are there, then you go, yes, I'm in. Um, the eights unlock the puzzle. That's what this parable does. It unlocks Jesus' teaching in some ways. And notice what it's all about. I'll take this off now. There we go. It looks ridiculous. Um, <laughs> notice what this parable is all about. It's about hearing. About hearing his words. Jesus starts to explain it in verse 14. He says, the farmer sows the word. And actually, he's talking about himself there, isn't he? Because down in verse 33, it says, Jesus spoke the word to him. Mark's using that deliberately, I think. He's saying that Jesus is the sower who's scattering his seed all over the place. And it kind of falls into four main categories. And we'll kind of go through these and test ourselves, see how are we listening to Jesus? So verse 15, Jesus says, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. A bird swooping down. I'm picturing seagulls because they're nasty birds anyway. Seagulls on Brighton Beach, they see a donut. What do they do? Swooping down, taking your donut, taking your joy away. That's like Satan. Um, He does not want God's word to root or fruit in our lives. That nasty face. Um, And I think this is sort of describing people who dismiss Jesus out of hand, calling him a myth or fable or made up and not even giving him the time and day to think about what he says. And if you were here last week with Don, we saw this in action, didn't we? In Mark chapter 3. Um, um, if, if you weren't here, well, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath day. He, he heals a man's shriveled hand. And you're like, that's amazing. That should be a, 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 a moment of joy and excitement. And yet, it says this. The Pharisees went out and began to plot how they might kill Jesus. They see life and they choose death. Like, it doesn't fit into his categories. It's straight in and straight out. That's this seed on the rocky path. How are you listening to Jesus? And hey, if that's you, please can I just nudge you to say, investigate, consider, think about Jesus. Come join us on Tuesday for Alpha. It's a great place to do that, to, to think through Jesus for yourself and have a look with us. Verse 16, second kind of soil we might be, other seed, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. People who are kind of here for a good time, but not for a long time. And again, we saw a bit of this last week, didn't we? Remember that there was a massive crowd around Jesus, like shouting and clamoring for him in chapter three for him to do miracles. Like, hey, magic man, show us some tricks. And it looks like they're all in for Jesus. But the end of John's, uh, Mark's gospel, that same crowd, what are they doing? They're shouting, crucify him. Because following him is a tough thing, a difficult thing. That's what he's saying in verse 17. He's saying, hey, it gets spicy following me. It's really good for us to know that. It's not easy following Jesus in this world. It's worth it, definitely worth it, because he gets you part of his kingdom, and we'll see how beautiful that is in a minute. But it is difficult. How are you listening to Jesus? Then seed three, or sorry, soil three, verse 18. Still others, 
like seeds that among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is kind of where my head goes for this thing. The strangler plant. Oh, nasty thing. It kind of chooses trees, and then, I don't know how it chooses them, but it chooses them, and it starts growing around them, slowly sucking the life out, taking the nutrients, taking the, the, the light, taking the joy out of it, slowly killing that, that tree. And did you notice what the thorns were? What the, the, the kind of choking substance was in verse 19? Worries, wealth, desire for other things. What a pertinent word to hove, right? It's like Jesus is speaking to us 2023 saying, worries, wealth, desire for other things. You hope I listen up. It's fascinating. He seems to be saying that anything that, that, that we put as bigger than Jesus in our heart needs to go. And actually, it, it, it will choke our faith and make it less than it should be. Maybe you see that in yourself. And, and if you do, can I just encourage you to get your trowel out and do some heart weeding? You know, start digging up those thorns, getting rid of them, because Jesus is the king. He's the one who belongs number one in our hearts. Nothing else gets in his way. How are you listening to Jesus? In the fourth soil, verse 20, others like seeds and on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And like, this is seed doing what it should do, right? Living out its maker's instructions, kind of blossoming and growing and flourishing and making a bumper crop. It's like, woo! And I think the fruitfulness here isn't just other people becoming Christians through us. It's holiness, it's godliness, it's living a life that looks like Jesus. It's being kinder each day, being more patient each day, that kind of stuff. And again, didn't we see this last week? Remember? Jesus called to himself in verse 13, 12, average human beings, less than average, some of them uneducated men. He called them to be his disciples. People you look at and go, Jesus, you picked them? And yet out of that, we are part of a massive big family, right? From their ministry, from them being that good soil, flourishing, blooming, growing. How are you listening to Jesus? Jesus is cutting us here saying, where are you at? What kind of soil are you like? Because for those of us who are hanging on his every word, listening intently to our Savior, like hearing him rightly is the way into his kingdom. And that's kind of what he goes to talk about next. He talks about his kingdom and says, look, guys, don't you want to be part of this kingdom? Because it is spectacular. Look at verse 26. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters his seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. All by itself, the soul produces corn. Um, I, I bought this book for Lizzie. Uh, anyone Rich Oldman fans out there? His latest book. This is the one. Here it is. Hey, this one I bought from Waterstones. And on it, yeah, you should say it all, because on it, it says, Waterstones Exclusive Edition. Yeah. Includes bonus material, 
right, that's exciting. Like, if you're like me, you're like, what's the bonus stuff in here? I want to know. Buy it on Amazon, don't get this. Buy it from W.H. Smith, you don't get this. This is bonus exclusive stuff. And hey, in Mark's gospel, 97% of what he says is said in Matthew. This, verse 26, 27, is bonus material. It's exclusive to Mark. Not found in John, not found in Luke, not found in, Ma- not found in Matthew, it's found in Mark alone. Oh, that's exciting, right? And it's all about his kingdom. Like a little seed. God, it, Jesus is growing his kingdom and nothing can stop it. Verse 28 says, all by itself. That's kind of a Greek word where we get the word automatic from. Like, he's like, hey, it happens automatically. Like, like, God is growing it, not down to your effort, not down to your work. God is growing his kingdom and nothing and no one can stop it. If you're part of his kingdom, man, we're part of something that cannot be stopped. That's so exciting. Especially when you hear like lots of the opposite kind of chat from friends, from family, from um, social media, from news. God's kingdom can't be stopped. It is growing. (laughs) And I love seeds as well because, well, I don't love them because I'm impatient. So you plant some carrot seeds and the next day, what do I want? I want carrots. Yet, (laughs) I'm so impatient. But it takes time, doesn't it? Like seeds take, I think that's the picture here, like it takes time. And often day by day, you go and look at them. Nothing's happening. Next day, nothing. But they're growing. Great choice of stuff, Jesus, using seeds, because he's saying, like, sometimes you can't see it, but it's growing. God is growing his kingdom. And God, he grows big plants, doesn't he? Man, he grows some big fruit and veg. Um, all over my newsfeed, I've been hearing about Graham Griffin from Guernsey. Anyone else been hearing about him this week? You would have done. He grew the biggest onion in the world. Right now it rings a bell. Graham Griffin, remember the name, 8.97 kilograms of onion. That would make some decent, like, uh, onion rings. Like, oh, yes. But, <laughs> sorry, Graham. But, um, but, but Graham, in a battle with God, <laughs> growing vegetables, he, he, he's on the floor. Like, God grows big plants, big fruit and veg. See, God's growing his kingdom, and it is massive. That's the mustard seed. Verse 30, Jesus says, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? What power shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. Now, the mustard seed isn't the smallest of all seeds, but it's kind of a Hebrew idiom back then, right? That it means something so insignificant and tiny makes something so big. That's Jesus' point. His kingdom may look small and tiny, especially when it starts off with a, a baby born in nowhere to some nobodies. Or, or 12 average human beings who are unschooled, uneducated, and yet from those tiny beginnings, we are evidence of that mustard tree, aren't we? We're evidence of God growing big things. <coughs> and, and it's really cool that he talks about birds. That's an image from the Old Testament from Ezekiel 31 and other places, where where kind of there's this massive tree pictured and birds are coming in to find their home and their shelter and their shade. And the birds are called nations. Nations that aren't Israel, that aren't Judah, that aren't God's people, yet they're finding home and safety and food within God's people. 
Like God is growing his kingdom from every single human being imaginable. Like he's bringing them together from all over the place to make a massive, mighty, mighty, mighty kingdom. I love it. That's so exciting. I think it's brilliant, right? Especially when, we're, when we feel really small. <laughs> when we feel like really tiny in our class, like we're the only Christian there. Or, or, or in our family, maybe the only Christian in our workplace. God's growing his kingdom and it is massive. <laughs> I think it's brilliant, too, for, for our faith. Um, a guy called R.C. Sproul said this, God can use the smallest words we speak, the smallest service that we give, and bring a kingdom out of it. God can use the smallest alpha leaf that we give and bring a kingdom out of it. God makes big things out of little things. It is amazing to be part of his kingdom, isn't it? And, and how do we get into that kingdom? Well, we get in by listening. We get in by hearing. Um, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. See, when you hear about Christ, when you believe, you are into that kingdom. But when you don't believe, when you don't hear, when you ignore his words, look at verse 24. Jesus said, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. If you, if you hear this stuff up here but doesn't go down into your heart, and you reject Jesus, you reject his word, well, all that good stuff that you enjoy that is gifts from our maker, it's gone. It's a dangerous thing to refuse and reject Jesus and his word. But it's a beautiful thing to listen. Um, J.C. Ryle said, the more we do for our souls, the more we find God does for them. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here, isn't he? The more we do for our souls, the more we find God does for them. So how are you listening to Jesus? Because I think there's two ways Christians we can listen to him. And I, I, and I kind of flip-flop between both of them. One is, is lazy listening. The other is greedy, greedy listening. Right? Lazy listening looks like me so often. Um, um, it's kind of doing the bare minimum. You know, kind of rushing through. It's about speed, kind of trying to get things done. So I'm reading the Bible, skipping over verses, missing things out, kind of not taking it in. Lazy listening. After the sermon's over, I close the Bible and stop thinking. That doesn't go home with me, it stops. Lazy listening is kind of what I'm guilty of most of the time. Maybe you see that in yourselves. But, but greedy listening, I think that looks so different. That's someone hungry and greedy for God and his word. Um, there's someone in our youth group um, a few months ago kind of read all of Genesis and all of Acts. That's 78 Bible chapters in about two and a half weeks. That is greedy listening, right? That is like hungry to hear from the living God and going, wow, I want more. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Um, I, I think that's kind of a, a great thing for us to grow in our hearts. And, and so kind of I'm going to throw out a whole load of ways you can slow yourself down. I think part of this is slowing ourselves down to listen to God. Some of it might, might be relevant, some of it might not be. But, but yeah, take what you want and take what you need. So it might be that we start bringing our own Bible to church so we can underline stuff. 
Might, might, might be to start bringing a pen so we can write some notes. Might be to start bringing a notebook so we can kind of make some notes and draw some doodles as we go through. It, it might be that we read the passage before the service and then the next day after the service, so we're kind of topping and turning, sandwiching it up and getting it into our heads. It might be that we start using Bible reading notes at home. It might be that we start reading the Bible at home. It might be we need to change how we do our Bible readings because they've become stale and unpredictable to us. It might be we, we get a brand new version of the Bible to slow us down from familiar words so we look at it and go, oh, that's different. Whatever it is, I'd love us as a church to be greedy listeners who are, who are hanging on our king's every word. How are you listening to Jesus? And just kind of as we wrap up, Jesus ends by showing us why he is someone worth listening to. In Mark's gospel, kind of Mark 1, we, we get introduced to the king. Mark 2 and 1, we kind of see the king in action doing his stuff. Mark 3, we see different responses to the king. Mark 4, we learn about the kingdom. But we also get a glimpse into the king's nature, don't we? The end of the passage. We, we didn't read it this, this evening. Read it at home, greedy. But Jesus calms the storm. And just look at him in verse 39. This is what our king's like. This is why he is worth listening to. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. The wind and the waves hear Jesus' words and obey. They obey their king. They obey their maker. That's his power. That's his might. And to me, the question that we're after is, is, hey, will we listen and obey like the wind and waves? Let me pray, and I'll hand back over to Nick. Father, thank you so much for pastors like Mark IV that just shake us up a little bit. Um, Father, and we'd love to be a church that is full of people who are greedy, greedy for your word, greedy for you, uh, uh, God, greedy to hear from you. Help us to listen, not just with our ears, not just to take stuff in mentally, but take it into our hearts and be spiritually changed by it. Lord, thank you that Jesus is the king of a kingdom that cannot be stopped. And he is the king who, who commands the winds and waves. What a great king we have. Amen.